Hi, I'm Maeve Marston and you're listening to Queer Stories. Michael Kruger is a published author, screenwriter and probably the most overly sensitive new age boy working in full-time sports media. Michael is finishing a book about being raised by his two mothers and about his experience of moving to the Netherlands as a 22-year-old to get to know his father, who is also gay. At Queerspawn, an event I hosted for Midsummer 2020, Michael read this condensed and slightly more PG segment from his book. Enjoy. Jennifer Hopeless waved her arms as moustached men ran towards us in dresses, stilettos over cobblestones, frocks in flight. When the drag race had been run, she put her face next to mine and said, mwah, mwah, mwah on each side of my cheek. I forgot about the traditional Dutch third kiss. We accidentally brushed lips. Dad introduced Jennifer as a type of queen who believed that minimalism was reserved for those scared of a commitment to bad taste. He thought we might have met already, that maybe she was just Richard last time. And then Jennifer butted in, said that today I had to call her by her full drag name anyway. Hopeless was spelt just like Jennifer Lopez, but with two Zs and a lot more Rs. <laughs> she jeered at how my serious dad, dressed plainly in blokey plaid, had scrubbed up. Well, you can take the boy out of the country, my father responded, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Jennifer asked who I was and if my father had recently traded his husband in for a younger model. <laughs> she nearly fell out of her heels and my dad said I was his son, grilled me on what I thought of this side of Amsterdam. I told her I'd come over to see what my old man's life was really like, that I was finally getting the queer to her. Jennifer pulled at the crotch of her bodysuit and said that this, this was not nearly the worst of it. She launched into a story about the last winter drag queen Olympics, how she'd opened the ceremony with a strip tease and a Dutch flag dangling from her ass. Dad had even been made to hold onto the flag as Jennifer had danced away. And when the thread went tight enough, out came Britain, then Germany, <laughs> and France. <laughs> when Miss Hopeless was back on stage judging the handbag toss, I turned to my father and asked, so that's your mate? Yep, Dad said, normal Richard is. Jennifer, however, she can imagine the flags of the EU as the perfect handkerchief parlor trick. Either that, I replied, or she just thought the whole world was turning to shit. We danced a little more as Jennifer spun like a discus thrower and hurled bags and purses into the crowd. She exited and changed into a sexy Santa Claus outfit backstage, motioned from the wings for us to come and join her. I was tired of answering the same questions. I knew now that my father and I shared the same eyes and cheekbones. I told them both that they could instead start calling me Nina, Sir Moaning, or Nicki Minaj a toi. <laughs> Though my dad just shook his head. I was supposed to be taking after him, not ripping off RuPaul. <laughs> Jennifer still couldn't believe that my father had a child, asked him how. I jumped in, told her that my two gay mums had convinced their mate here to come in a Vegemite jar sometime in the 90s. <laughs> you know, right before he ran away to the Netherlands to avoid child support. See, my dad shot back, and I thought I moved overseas because I actually wanted to get married. Plus, you're turning out to be quite the Vegemite yeast infection. <laughs> Jennifer laughed at my father and my snide similarities. 
look me up and down in you. So Michael, tell me, she said, and put a glittered hand on my denim jacket. If both biological parents have brown eyes, does their son have to have brown eyes too? Dad told the queen to back off. I looked sheepishly away. Jennifer grabbed a whip prime for eight BDSM-themed reindeer, <laughs> then quipped, how strange. I've just realized you two also cross your arms the same. Afterwards, surrounded by men, I danced with my father in a club to techno remixes of Sister Sledge. Dad carved out space on the dance floor with us with his elbows, half balletic, half bruising. I sang, we are family, <laughs> and rolled the sleeves up on my shirt to show off whatever muscle I had underneath. I checked to see if my father wanted anything more to drink, waited for his credit card. What, he asked, do your mums pay for everything back home as well? I stopped dancing. Dad tried taking the country out of the boy. Spinning away, I hoped to all the gay gods that I had enough cash on my card. I waited by the bar, watched my father try to dance alone. He pumped his fist at the DJ, though quickly lost his verve. He took out his phone, got halfway through a message, lost his nerve. Checking the crowd for security, he popped something into his mouth, vogued himself off into another universe's runway. Slowly, and as the next tune's drum pattern blended into the overhead mix, he stopped cutting shapes, in their place held his head in his hands, the rising techno kick morphing into a seemingly headaching pulse. He froze in strife beneath the beating heart of the strobe lights, like the one sad queen of disco for whom the music had suddenly stopped. By the bathrooms, I bumped into Jennifer as Richard with his head in his phone. Without his wig and makeup, I realized his hair was thinning on top, his aura less colorful overall, like the volume on a stage show had been turned down, barely audible. I hugged him hello, tripped over my words as I told him he could call me Whip Me Houston from now on. I think Miss Houston needs some water, Richard teased, took me by the hand and filled my empty cup with water from the sink. He watched me drink. I've got to go, I said, then kissed him goodbye, once, twice, three times on the cheek, then meaningfully on the lips. Richard pulled away after a moment, and I touched his beard. He's only been my dad for a minute. Richard led me into one of the cubicles. I flinched, thought it ironic that my first experience with a boy was with, was with someone named Dick. <laughs> Richard looked up after a minute, saw on my face there was something wrong. He checked to see if I'd ever been touched by a man before. Then he whispered, have you even been held? In the early morning, I found my father alone and prone on his living room couch. We cracked beer and watched music videos on the smart TV. I put on a song by Grizzly Bear and said, I reckon you'll like this band. I think the front man's gay as well. How can you tell? My father scoffed. Does he have a cock in his mouth while he sings? <laughs> he tugged at my shirt to reveal my hairy chest, told me that I was more of a grizzly otter in his world anyway. I kept my eyes on the screen, asked him what it was really like growing up gay in country Victoria. He took a long drink, replied that he was raised good and God-fearing, that he'd come home once, maybe around this time, maybe around my age, found his own father drunk and alone and waiting for him in the kitchen. There's something wrong with you, his father had slurred. There's something wrong, there's something wrong. Dad grabbed the remote, Kylie Minogue's come into my world flashed up on the screen. I didn't come out to my old man, he said. 
until I'd moved halfway across the world to Amsterdam. My father never recognised that I was gay, but he'd always known that I was a faggot. We shared a soft glance, crossed our arms identically in rhythm and shape, and I recognised myself even more in his features. So if both your parents have brown eyes, I asked, reckon the kid's bound to have brown eyes too? Mate, it's fine, he replied. You can always tell me if you're straight. I questioned whether he felt like he had his shit figured out at my age. No one ever gets together, he said, just better at pretending like they do. I looked over then to our plastic Christmas tree, thought back to all the weird gifts he used to send over to me when I was a kid, football jerseys that wouldn't fit, superhero comics I wouldn't read. The disconnect had felt vivid. Three months ago in Melbourne, I'd pulled an old comic off my shelf, watched an unread letter that he'd written to me slip out. He was still a foreigner then, unsure and uneasy when he'd penned it back in 2008. It had taken my dad five years just to make a joke in Dutch, had lost his language, himself, personality altered by a stilted tongue. It had taken him nearly a decade to be invited around to a colleague's place for dinner, had clawed and pulled at any hint of intimacy, had done so vulnerably. And still, after building a home away from home, in the letter he'd written that his biggest regret in life was not being more involved in mine. I'd never even given myself the chance to reply at the time, wondered if he felt the same way now, asked if he could ever see himself moving back home. I don't miss Melbourne anymore, my father sighed. I got these plastic-free organic bags right under my eyes. He got up and pulled out a photo album from under the old TV, showed me a flick he had taken once upon a time in Northcote. I recognised the kitchen instantly. One of my mothers rocked me as a baby in a pink blanket. The other stood beside her, arms gently draped around our trifecta, holding our family together. I'm not sure if there's any room left either, my father then said. I turned to him, realised that while my mothers had raised me within a particular cradle of care, he and I had leapt into something else entirely. My mums had both taught me about the supposed limitations of male vulnerability that over the years had deliberately shielded me from all three of my parents' complexity and sadness. When I met my father, he was instead immediately human and honest, mask and brutal. He had once called me a pussy when I had told him I was a vegetarian. <laughs> he was teaching me about the world and bacon in ways that my mothers never could all without the predetermined coddling of love. I referenced his old letter, asked if he still mourned an absent son. Michael, he replied, I never got my shit together, just got better pretending like I had. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and follow Queer Stories on Facebook for updates. Follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter and Instagram, and please consider ordering a copy of the Queer Stories book, a collection of the tales that I edited with beautiful stories by incredible writers such as Nayuka Gori, Benjamin Law, Candy Bowers, Candy Royale, Simon Hunt, Liz Duck Chong and Rebecca Shaw.